Mother Nature is the most amazing thing that exists and, and we get to live and work in it every day, you know. So instead of going out there and thinking that you're on, you know, constantly at war, you go out there and you actually just love and appreciate, you know, the farm that you've got and you just try everything that you do. You try and, like you do with kids, you know, you try and feed them well and, and, and just raise them up rather than, you know, pushing it suppressing down, suppressing it, it you know. That was Nina Bray, and you're listening to The Regenerative Journey. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and internationally, and their continuing connection to country, culture, community, land, sea and sky, and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. G'day, I'm your host Charlie Arnott, an eighth-generational Australian regenerative farmer, and in this podcast series... I'll be diving deep and exploring my guests' unique perspectives on the world so you can apply their experience and knowledge to cultivate your own transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to The Regenerative Journey with your host, Charlie Arnott. G'day. This week's interview um, is with Mitch and Nina Bray, um, graduates of our biodynamic course, one of them from 2018. And, and what's fascinating, one of the many things that's fascinating about these guys is the way they've integrated biodynamics wholly and solely into their, um, their, their, their organic cropping practices, which for me is fascinating because many of the requests I get for information is how do we actually you know, farm more regeneratively, um, how do we crop more regeneratively, I should say, you know, how do we take chemicals out and what do we replace them with and how do we maintain, you know, um, sound financials and economics in that sort of space. So that's what we talk about a lot. We talk about um, Mitch's you know, health scare that certainly, um, uh, you know, was contributed to his regenerative journey, um, you know, relocating to the coast, why they do that, some of the, the enterprises, you know, the intricacies of, of transitioning and it's a fascinating chat. Um, love these guys. They are really um, standout um, you know, uh, practitioners of biodynamics and organics, and and they're just so energetic and so positive, and always got wonderful ideas that I'm just can't wait to follow. And just before we jump into the interview, I just want to let you know and remind you that we will be Hamish Mackay and I will be down in South Australia uh, with all those wonderful crow editors down there uh, at Barossa, the Barossa Valley, on the third and fourth of May at the Alkina Wine Estate. There with Dan and Amelia and all those wonderful people. Um, now, just to make a note of that, we are just talking about how biodynamics applies to wine uh, and and viticulture. It is about horticulture. It's about broad acres. It's about small scale garden. It's whatever you want to, however you want to. Um, apply biodynamics to your world and your life. So there on the 3rd and 4th of May in the Barossa Valley at the uh, um, Alkina um, Wine Estate and on the 7th and uh, sorry, 6th and 7th of May, that's the later in that same week at McLaren Vale at Gem Tree Wines there with Melissa and Michael, um, who produce some amazing wines, as does the um, Kenner Estate. So just to reinforce that, you don't have to be a wine grower. You might want to be a grape eater, but not a wine grower or a winemaker to come to these courses down there in South Australia. They are open to everyone. So spread the news far and wide. We'd love to see you there. Uh, tickets available on charliearnett.com.au. And uh, um, get all the details and tickets there. Love to see you down in South Australia. Cannot wait to get down there. And uh, haven't been there for a while, so looking forward to it. So I hope you too enjoy as much as I did this interview with Mitch and Nina Bray. 
Neens, Mitch, welcome to the Regenerative Journey. Um, we're sitting, we're watching Hamish Mackay drive in here and the dog bark. Um, <laughs> as we sit out looking across your 400 acres? Yep. In the, um, in what valley are we in? We're in the, we're in the Sunshine Coast sort of region, but what valley are we in? Uh, we're in the Noosa hinterland. Yep. Is, is this a particular valley though? Like, is this like the, I don't know, the Forbidden Valley or the, you know? No, it's 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 sort of it's just on the edge of of the hinterland. So you know, there's mountains mm. over there. That's that's the ridge, <laughs> and um, and we're sort of down on the flats. And and you know, Lake Catharabar is um, you know not too far away, and then Double Island past that. Or yeah, and we're just in nor- we're on the northern side of Noosa. So yep. for those who know, Noosa is reasonably well known in this part of the world, and we're we're sort of looking like north uh, northwest, northeast, Kinkin, kin towards Kinkin, yeah, out that way. So, guys, thank you very much for your time. We've just done day one of the um, of our two day introduction to biodynamics course in your shed, and I've got to say, you have set a new standard in hosting of courses. Um, uh, well, clearly, okay, Nina, I should be thanking then, mm, Mitch. Nina, um, it is so professional, and I was actually thinking I might take you to the next round of courses just to help to help set up. Um, no, it's really we've got thirty enthusiastic people and your your organic group, you've got a little organic group which we can talk about a bit later on. No, I'm clicking my pen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll talk we'll get to that too because I think that, that in itself is a really fascinating little thing that um, you you guys are involved in. Um, I've got uh, this is a bit of an experiment listeners. Um, I've got uh, a couple, um, two people um, who happen to be a couple. Um, for the first time, I usually interview individuals, but I thought that you've got such a compelling joint story that I really wanted to um, to drill down. Is that echoey? It's not too bad, there. Um, in on this on the veranda, the the Italian bachelor's veranda, I believe. That this yeah. is what when you bought this place. Yep. Now. Um, the podcast is called The Regenerative Journey for a reason. I want to sort of dig into your regenerative journeys. There's individual ones, I guess, to a point, and then um, you've been doing some amazing things. Um, you are um, essentially you know, cropping. You've got cattle. You've got some amazing projects on the go. Um, why are we here? Why are we on this bit of land in this part of the world, you two? Um, well, we purchased um, the beach farm, which is what we call this property, uh, at Noosa in um, uh, January 2019. And I guess we've got three properties that are out on the downs. And the reason why we're here is because we kind of saw the need to diversify. Um, back in 2019, we just noticed that the cl- climate had changed in our in our region. And, um, you know, whether if it was going to stay that way or whether if it was a cyclical thing, we still knew that we needed to diversify um, our property. So that's sort of why we we looked here. Um, yeah, also Mitch is a surfer, so <laughs> he was keen to get somewhere, somewhere near the beach. Oh, um, that didn't have anything to do with it. Nothing to do with it, but, yeah. And just to sort of put that into context, what's the differences between the property out west and, and here? They're kind of, of like... The complete opposite. Polar yeah. opposites. Polar opposites, yeah. yeah. Mitch can probably... Why don't you yeah. tell us, Mitch? Um, don't be shy. Mate, it's <laughs> <laughs> um, it, It's great because when you get into your your farm and you've been doing it for a while in one specific place, this is giving you challenges that are totally opposite to what you're used to. So I, I guess you get to a place where you get to um, experiment more, which is cool. 
and um, keep well, that. Why are you able to experiment more? Is it because you've got more rain, more... More rain. You, you haven't got more land. You've no, it's less land, land. but um, it's that beautiful thing from the sky that can, um, yeah, you can, can bank on it, you know, so therefore you can play around with um, pasture cropping and, and different things like that, you know. And that presents a whole lot of different challenges, I imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah, it brings up a heap of <laughs> things you've got to look at changing, but that's part of the fun. What are you going to do with all that grass? <laughs> that's mate, a good problem to have. Mate, we have, we've got a lot of different things in the pipeline. So Nina's, we've got our licence for hemp and all different things, so we're going to try. I think this environment, this microclimate here, is, is a couple of different things we can try, yeah. So, um, and what does it mean to be here? You know, like, I guess emotionally, if you can... Being a man, you mightn't have many emotions. I don't have many. Um, but, um, you know, what does it mean to be here? You've got surf, which is obviously something you like to do. Your family's here. You know, you're here, you know, a portion of the time. Is it sort of – and you've only been here for a short period of time, you know. So is it is it sort of – you happy you moved? Is it something that's – Was a good move? For, for me, I think it's, it's good because kids have settled in and um, – there's a really amazing community here, Charlie. Um, I think that's probably the most important thing, you know, wherever you are, community is everything. And we really feel like we've made such strong, amazing friendships since we've been up here. And, you know, as you said earlier, we've got an organic group. So we've found some really amazing producers, like-minded producers that, you know, we just have this, you know, beautiful relationship with. And it's it's just like an open, an open round table and, um, you know, after being out on, on the downs, we, we've got some fantastic um, friends out there too, but we sort of felt like we were doing a lot of the, you know, the transition to organic alone and, and, and without the support um, of other people. So it's so, it's yeah, it's an amazing environment up here. We absolutely love it. Um, yeah. You, you, found, you found your little tribe in a way. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about tribes. Let's go back to, um, you know, I guess – what were you doing, both of you, before um, you might call you had a, a change in your thinking about farming? You knew you were both, both. Um, well, you you tell me the story, Mitch. When we start with you, in sort of, you know, what were you doing before to get to a point where you went, I'm going to, you know, change. Yes. Yeah. So I had a um, bit of background, mate. Nina and I got together in 2010, 11, and um, decided we wanted to try farming. She had her um, nursing and I had diesel fitting behind me before that. And then we said, yep, we're going to give it a go, start a family. Um, so you weren't – but, but Nene, you grew up on a – you grew up on a farm? Yeah, I grew up on yeah. a, a sheep farm, sorry, yeah. sheep farm um, at Milmarin. My parents have still got a, a Dorper stud out there mm. um, now. And, um, yeah, I grew up sort of in the shearing sheds and fencing and – Doing sheet work, so I love it. Um, I did go to boarding school in Brisbane, but Mitch and I both went to school, high school in Brisbane, and um, and then we sort of managed to find our way back out after after doing the Brisbane thing for a little while, and found ourselves back in a very small country town, which is where we met at the local pub, actually. So, so you so you met at the pub, yeah. doing different things. So you're at the you're working in town. You're at the at the pub. Yeah, I was I was at yeah. the pub. Um, I was at studying nursing at the time, yeah. and I was working at the hospital. So um, also, so um, Mitch walked in one day, and, um, <laughs> and that went, was the Whoa. end of it. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was Mitch doing there? 
Drinking, <laughs> not working. <laughs> Did Mitch have his like chair in the corner going, This is Mitch's chair? <laughs> no, <laughs> I am um, very solid playing there actually. But um, I was diesel fitting at the time and contracting going everywhere, yeah, just trying to. So you just happened to be there doing some work like contractor there? Well, I bought a little block there and and um, just out of town, mm-hmm. um, as a bit of a I parked it and thought. You know, I'll get to that soon. Yeah, at least. Yeah, and and um, when I met Nan, it was time to pick it up and run with it. So yeah, yeah. My family originally comes from Quambone, and um, we sort of moved around a fair bit off that as a young person, and ended up in Brisbane. Um, and then yeah, met Nan, full steam ahead. Give this farming a red hot crack. Why farming? Because no, you could have you 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 a diesel mechanic. You could have kept on doing that. Nan's could have worked in the hospitals. Yep. You could have. Moved to Brisbane, or you know, what was wide farming? It's family. Yeah, I think we we both. Um, yeah, you, cut, you two cuddle up a bit around that microphone. <laughs> <if you like. laughs> I think we both had the underlying urge of why well, I wanted to farm, and you yeah. wanted you love farming. So I didn't ever think that. Is so, I didn't ever think that I'd actually end up back on the land, you know. And I think when I grew up, you know, we went through some significant drought mm. periods, mm. and my father, you know, he never encouraged us. Well, he never openly encouraged us, you know. I think he sent us to Brisbane so we could, you know, see all these different situations and, you know, uh, I don't think he ever expected me probably especially to end up back on the land. But um, farming is, you know, so shortly after after we, you know, probably 2011 I, I had Annabella, our first child, so that was pretty quick for us. And, um, and that really changed everything. That was definitely a catalyst for change for us. You know, we had this conventional farm and we decided to go into farming and we went and we geared up and we, you know, we bought the... Did a lot of contracting. Yeah, bought the, the big tractors and, and we were we were full, um, you know, black soil conventional farmers. You know, we had a gas rig. We gassed everything. <laughs> and um, So, you, you, you know, chemical, you're chemicals, spraying, yep, spraying, yep, um, uh, urea, you know, yeah, the whole yeah, the shebang. Whole, yeah. Cro- conventional cropping. Because that's it how is, you yeah. did, did yeah. it, you know. Or, and um, and then... told to do it, though, Yeah. You were told, yeah. Well, that's, if you talk to an agronomist or, yeah. or any of that, yep. Mainstream that you, you get in that system, don't you? Is that what you did? Did you go to the? Did you go back to the farm, the, your block? So that's yeah. where you started, and yeah. then you went. I'm going to farm. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, and you went. Okay, local agronomist. Yep, yep. Grabbed a, uh, an independent agronomist. So I'd I'd done farming, um, pre in between out west at around Torwood and mm. and now that way, um, but yeah, grabbed the agronomist. We we. Got into the the system. You got to pre-fertilize. You got to spray. You got to plant. You got to. I guess the recipe, the seasonal yeah. recipe. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And um, we started doing that. We we're working really hard, a lot. Um, we had three kids. Yeah. We um, we were, we were really pushing hard, you know, because we bought another farm, and then from that we bought another farm, and we were contracting. We we're doing a lot of work. Um, we're busy. And yeah, then, and it was Mitch and I for a really long time. Yeah. So we didn't have staff. Sorry, Charlie, I'm just microphone. I'm, no, no, no. Sort um, of. <clears throat> yeah, we didn't have staff for a long time. It was just Mitch and I. You know, I, I remember, you know, having children and having newborns in the car and I'd be going out and helping, you know, 
Phil Planters in the middle of the night. Mitch worked pretty much 24 <laughs> hours a day. You know, we'd be contracting and, and um, you know, yeah, I'd be going out, yeah, in the middle of the night to make sure, you know, drop things off or whatever needs to happen. It was a really, really, really fast period. Um, we grew quickly, but we put the work in to do it. Um, yeah. And probably so, not an uncommon situation. No, you know, young couple, that's what you have kids to do. growing up decide to farm, whether it's on the downs or, you know, anywhere where I guess you were essentially cropping mm. as well. You Did you have cattle and cattle at the time? Mate, no. it was it was just cattle. We had sheep to start with. So oh, my goodness, discussed. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, then we, um, and then we went to cattle because mm. our block flooded three times and I'd re-fenced three times. <laughs> oh, good. Yep, we went to cattle. But um, that was never a focus. Our, our focus was because um, we geared cropping. up contracting mm. to, to do the crop, cropping. So that was your focus, yeah. Yep. And again, not an uncommon thing for for you know the the investments made, yep. the mortgages probably taken out, the you know, expansion, um, and and was that were you under pressure externally or internally to expand? Was that did it fit, did, was it the matter of that felt like the right thing to do, or you went no, this is actually we were just unstoppable. Pushing and we, we were, just were pushing. pushing. <laughs> yeah, we just you know we looked at every you know every farm that came up for sale. We you know, we were really good at doing numbers and, you know, we had a, we had a great, um, you know, we had great support, um, through our bank manager at the time as well. They were, they were great. And we just, we were great at crunching numbers. We knew what we could make out of properties. And I remember asking him, I said, Oh, is there, you know, don't smart farmers do off farm investment? And he goes, mate, look at it. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's that's the investment you need to be doing. So that's what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again, in itself, wasn't probably a bad idea um, in terms yeah. of you know if it was if it was working, mm. that type of approach. Um, then who was going to you know mm. say you got to do something else or buy property somewhere else or you know off farm invest? Yeah. Um, and then what? So so kids came along. Um, what, what, was there was there a moment when you know was there a particular like exact moment you can pinpoint, or was there a a series of events that led you to change from a from obviously that high high input sort of. Mm. Um, uh, Neen always had an undertone of organics. Yeah, what did that what did that look like? Like the odd organic thing in the cupboard or. No, no, no. We always we we sort of as soon as I had children. Well, okay. So the catalyst. I um I went to an obstetrician as soon as I found out I was pregnant with my first child. We went there and he spoke about me in front of me into a dictaphone. And it was just the most strangest conversation or situation that we'd sort of been in. We were like, oh, I, you know, young, first child. And um, anyway, I found midwives and that was probably the catalyst. For so, so just go back to the dictaphone thing. Was it? Did, did he it, was talking about me into the dictaphone while I was sitting across the table. From oh, as if you weren't there. Yeah, as if so I was like there. number 1,097. I think I was like 15 weeks or something. And, and he was like, oh, I think we need to book you in for a, you know, a cesarean and... And anyway, we found the first private midwives, I think, in Australia. Um, they started in Toowoomba, amazing people. Um, and so I had my three children through private midwives and um, and that was a big catalyst for change because they really just put in that situation, they put the power back in our hands and said, this is what you need to go home and research, go and do it, and then come back to me and let's have a conversation. And as soon as they, I think that was just so empowering for us because mm. we really just realise that we could choose the way that we wanted to do things. And that happened in farming then as well. Mitch used to spray. We had spray rigs. He was a spray contract spray contractor. Um, and I remember 
we've just renovated this our house out there and we put in all of these bifolds and these windows and Mitch would come along with the spray rig, you know, right out the front of the house. And I wasn't he, that bad. No, no, no. And, but he, he was the one who was Come like, get off the property. You know, I don't want you here while I'm spraying. Mm. And so, you know, children were probably the catalyst there. We definitely both had undertone. Nina, as always, being female, mm. is smarter than us. and totally. No arguments here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was a bit slow to pick up. But as we were doing it, podcasts, sitting in tractors listening to different Things you know, and you, and you get pulled naturally, I think, um, in different ways. And you something pops up, you're like, oh, that's interesting. We'll listen to that, and you know, it sort of almost pulls you to where you need to go. I guess you could say. Did you, do you remember any particular podcasts or, or, or you know, shows or individual interviews that were um, significant? And you went, oh my god, this is. It actually started in the financial sector with um, um, people that sort of were away from the mainstream and then after that that sort of tipped over into the farming um, arena um, as for people I can't think of the first people I went to but um, it just was a natural progression and 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 the same thing with biodynamics um, how we got there that that was just a huge natural progression and and everything fell into place mm-hmm. um, so Nina Nina we got across the line organically our our home farm mm. initially, yeah, um, and then our other two were still conventional, um, purely from the fact that we had no idea about organics and because we we're pushing, still needed production. Yeah, we, we we couldn't afford just a trial and error and, and cop that. Um, so we tipped our toes into home and 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 now we've got confidence there. Yeah, we've been lucky. We have been fortunate. You know, the agronomists that we work with out um, out on the downs, you know, he, we've had so many big table discussions with him. He's definitely, you know, he's open to organics and he's really into, um, you know, supporting that as well. So we have been fortunate in that way. Mitch and I are both big researchers. Um, you know, Mitch would spend hours and hours in the in the tractor or whatever machine he was in listening to podcasts on, on all sorts of um, of different things. But, um, yeah, I think 2014-15 we went organic, um, certified organic um, on our home farm and um, and we kind of just, we just did it. Like there was, we, we didn't do the whole farm. Mm. We started off with, you know, one. Um, half of it. With half of it. And, you know, you can do that in organics and I don't, and that just makes it easier. Like Mitch said, we still needed production. We just expanded. We needed to be able to pay the bills, etc. So, um, it was a, it was a, it was a gradual, <clears throat> excuse me, gradual transition into there. Yeah. So you could actually your half you could certify half your farm. Yep. Start there. Yep. Implement whatever practices yep. you. Are. What, what were you? So just just on that because I'm, I'm not that I'm necessarily saying that people have to get certified organic just to transition to regenerative ag type stuff. But Definitely. in terms of you know. What did you change? So you were again, as you said, conventional cropping. So yep. high input, high output. What, what, what? How did you? What? What did dipping your toe in the water look like? So early on, even before that, was um, like Nan said, we've got a gas rig, and the biggest thing for me was uh, we had a flood and a paddock where I'd gassed pre-plant, and I could still see. And this was a couple of seasons prior. I could still see the furrow. Of the bottom of the disc, the gas disc, 
and Idris running in there. I thought, oh, that's interesting. And um, so we got rid of that and then we involved. So then the dipping of the toe was probably then. And then with the organics, we um, it was all about tooling, getting the right tools for the toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't too many people around us that we could go knock on the door. Um, so it was sort of trial and error. And we're still, we're still doing that now. We're still trying um, different tooling. Now um, we get to do it. Neen's father, he's, he's organic, so he's, we're trialling together different things, um, which is good. Um, but, yeah, like... Was it... Did you... I mean, it's, it's an interesting... And I love that sort of concept of a toolbox, you know, because that's what I sort of yeah. say to farmers, that, like, equip yourself, you know, maybe empty out your old toolbox... Of your old paradigms and all your old tools, literally Definitely. the gear and the and the and the and the plan, and then equip it with um with um uh, with some new tools. Was there anyone? Uh, and this is this is a you know interesting for me, really interesting because I'm not a cropper. I mean, we don't do what you do, basically, mainly cattle and sheep and a bit of pasture cropping. But what I get, one of the most requested um, uh, things, you know, questions that I get is. Um, how do I convert? Well, it's more statements actually. Like you can't, you yeah. can't do this stuff with cropping. How am you I going to? You know, yeah, this is the thing that I'm fascinated about. You know, and they say you can't do it. Can't do a broad acre. How can I? How can I? You know, how can I take out all the chemical? How can I? Um, uh, you know, throw away the gear. How can I produce? And then these these guys aren't particularly talking about growing food. They're still probably commodity farmers, but they're they're stepping in that direction. You know, so that's the fascinating for me. For me, and I'm really relieved to be honest because I didn't have the answers for them, and I didn't know where to send them. There's a couple of people I know are doing a pretty good job at it. Um, but what you're doing is 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 a is a reasonably dare I say intense way. You know, you're not like just putting in a bit of pasture crop every now and again and whatever. Like you're doing, you know, pretty yeah. tight rotations. You've got Very some close. beautiful country um, when it rains, and you are in a uh, you know, you're in a system that's clearly working. You know, so that's so. I want to dig into that um, a bit more um, for those. And I, you know, excuse the listeners who um, who aren't necessarily farmers, but I hope you can understand by listening to this that this is whilst it's not something like you're going to go and do in your backyard, like you know, <laughs> grow a heap of pumpkins or something. <laughs> well, you could actually, you know, yeah. <laughs> grow a few pumpkins. But it's more the concept of the there are things that people can do that are. Um, you know, by changing one's mindset. You know, what what things did you change in your mind? What did you have to change in your mind? What paradigms did you have to break to step into organics? Nothing. I mean, it's, it's, I you, yeah, okay. Having a crystal clean farm that's everything's dead. So the the biggest thing for us was looking at everything and saying, right, you look at anhydrous, urea, you, you knock down sprays, you. Insectus, uh, your, your seed coatings on your seed, everything's anti-life. Anti-life. Yeah, it's yeah. anti-life. It's, it's side kill. Yeah. yeah, you're trying to wipe out nature. Mm. So we just flipped that on its head and said, all right, oh, well, how can we work with life and, and give pro-life? So so whenever we, um, whenever we did cultivations or something, we might put out some biology as we're doing it. Um, uh Seed coatings now is is pro microbiology and biodynamics. Um, sprays the same. It's it's all it's all pro life. So it's 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 fish emulsions, kelps, things like that. Um, yeah, 
the, the thing that we need to probably get better at is is cultivation. Um, we're working on that. My grandma's is, is pretty smart there and dragging up some good old, old, old machines that probably could be re-jigged and, and um, are going to be a very good tool now. To, to, to cultivate less or in a different way? or What, what do you need? Less and, and not as aggressively. Because mm. um, so a prime example for us, we're, we're black soil. We're on heavy black soil. So we still need to store moisture for our program to work. Um, so our system is different compared to so Nina's father, who he's on lighter soil with, with with grazing in the mix. So so his organic toolbox is different looking than ours. But we, there's a couple of things we can cross over. Um, so for us, storing moisture is still a, is an important thing. Uh, and then once that happens, then the rest of it sort of falls back into the old school row cropping scenarios, things like that. So how do you store moisture? Because in the old days, and we used to do it, was, you know, be a summer fallow um, where we would, you know, you don't want your bloody anything growing because it's going to rob the moisture. And, and, of course, what we didn't know was that there was no biology in the soil left and when we went to plant, we'd have to prop everything up with all these inputs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's why we, we uh, if we're doing cultivations and things like that, we, we do use biology. To, if we're knocking things, if we know we're going to knock them around, um we put them. things in there to support them, yeah. So you're still using some um, some traditional chemicals in the, as part of the part of the the program, the grow. No, no, no chemicals, no, no chemicals at all. No. That's great. So, so our, our our organic farms are fully organic, but our conventional well, farms. That's right. So this is the great thing. You've actually got sort of like a long going experiment in a way, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our 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 conventional farms are driven the fertility. There hasn't been urea in there for five, four, five years. Um, our starters and things like that. Um, we still do knockdown sprays on there, um, but we use bringing things in uh, like folic humate acids that they used to use to potentise chemical, so you use less. But on the flip side, it, it, it helps break down many... It, it drives biology to break it down quicker. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's still things we can improve. So the organic farm, you obviously to get certification, you, that that was a quicker process. Like you went, okay, we've got to be certified, so we've got to actually drop things out pretty much Done. immediately, and cold turkey in a way. Um, how did that go? It was good. I th- so our, our first organic crop was wheat, mm. um, and winter is definitely easier, I think, organic than summer in our area, just because of the, the types of of weeds that we have common problems with, um, and. Yeah, I mean, it worked well. We use we always used manure on our property, and then we went to compost. We did the Elaine Ingham um, course with yes. the yeah. foil, soil food web, um, and we learned how to make compost and compost teas, um, which we we which was really interesting, and just to, to understand the soil more. And you know, that was yeah, just we wanted to work with it rather than against it um, with the. With the constant sort of warfare, but um, yeah, our first crop was was wheat, and I think going organic, especially back then, it was it was really interesting when it came time to harvest and actually market the grain. You know, on the conventional market, wheat's this much. You know, on the organic market, I remember calling you know five or six different people, and there would be like two hundred dollars difference a ton. It was just like it was kind of like the wild west. You know, it was so it was so. Um, 
Yeah, it was just so different to the conventional marketing. That's changed a lot. But a, ple- now. a pleasant surprise. A pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When yeah, when you got the decent yeah. And what about the yield? I mean, in terms from you know, less inputs, I guess, from a you know chemical point of view. What what, what about was there a um, you know financially and and you know I guess as you went through the years and year one, two, three, four, and so on that you were sort of fine tuning. What are the for those you know croppers thinking about? Um, you know, oh, well, how am I going to bloody drop out my chemical and maintain my yield and my quality and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so our yield, it didn't really suffer that much. It it, it maybe dropped a little, but um, like we've grown organic corn next to our conventional corns. And and it out-yielded it. And Yay! Really? Sorghums and, yeah, yeah, yeah we've, we've been up there. So And also on our organic farm, we've, we've get, we get more crops off it. Like, you know, especially in the harsh seasons, we've had a, a couple of doozy years um, and we've still got something off it on our organic farm and what we get off, we get paid for. Because other people probably haven't got something off. Yeah, so and the commodity price is so much higher. Yeah. So it's actually worked out, yeah. Yeah, cost of production. And our cost of production is, you know, is better. Yeah. Um, it's not nothing, but we're not organic mm. farmers that don't Mitch puts – uh, you know, we use fish hydrolysate, we use kelp, we obviously use a lot of bi- biodynamics. Um, we have – our machines are all set up for liquid injection at planting. That's a huge part for us. You know, if you've got liquid uh, injection, you can – you can. we make all of our own gypsy juice cocktails depending on what the, the plant needs and, yeah, we, we rely heavily on, on – on you know, on our water systems, on our tractors, yeah. So if you, um, if the organic is going well, the organic farm and the organic sort of you know, certified part of the farm and the, and the product production there, uh, why wouldn't you move the rest over into organics, or would you, or thinking about it, or you know, why the, the different keeping it separate? Yeah. So, or is it more of an experiment? No, no. So that was definitely what we wanted to do, but the contracting sort of tied us up. Um, so we we time poor, I guess you could say. Um, we at the moment are looking at a couple of machines that would make it a little bit easy and less time uh, poor that would be able to do that. The other thing, though, too, Charlie, for me is bringing animals back. Like you need animals in, in the system. A lot of croppers don't like animals on cropping country, um, but for me, and I. I when I was contracting on a neighbour's place who does it a lot, I was like, oh, I wonder why he keeps doing this. And just being there and working there and, and watching it, he, he did just as well, if not better, than anyone else. So what is it about having animals in the system? Well, I think they, they worry about the, um, having animals run over cultivation pre, pre-crop. You, you're not storing enough moisture. You're making it harder. You're doing, all this, sort of, yeah, doing all this sort of thing. But um, there's tools, once again, in the toolbox. You can let them do their thing, fertilise, turn turn weeds over um, and all that and then run in behind them and, and away you go, you know. So they're bringing a, a, a whole different fertility cycle with them in a way. Yeah, yeah, different fertility cycle. They're also doing um, a good job on specific um, plants that you want to probably eliminate. Um, that otherwise you'd be chasing with steel or, or something else. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's the other thing. So our other farms aren't quite set up to be able to be managed with animals. So 
I'd like it. Um, yeah, well, they have to have animals on it for us to be organic. That's just that, that's almost yeah. like a, that's just one of the tools that's in the organic toolbox. Yeah. And I think um, another reason why they're not the other two properties aren't um, organic is because we've we've grown cotton on them. They've both currently got cotton planted. Um, it's a controversial subject, um, and I'm very aware of that. But um, we have grown cotton for for years now, and um, it's interesting being part of. The cotton industry is, is very well um, set up, you know, um, and and we do it well. You know, Mitch, is, he's dropped the, you know, the urea and, you know, he's doing huge amounts of foliars on them. He took out the Australian dryland cotton in 2018 for the highest yielding. And, um, you Wasn't know, it we, like a world, you get the world record or something? Come on, oh, talk it up. Pump, pump up your ties. No. No, no. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the Australian dryland cotton <laughs> record, yeah. Oh, no, universe. it was in the universe. Oh, uh, yeah, in the cosmos. <laughs> it was <laughs> best ever. But so, so, so just so I'm clear on that, so it was a – it was a um, you took out that award, best um, uh, dryland cotton farmer or crop, and – 11.8, seven bales yielding. So that's good. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. And that is using so what would a if if a conventional cotton farmer um, heard that and then and you told them what you did to grow to grow, to do it like the the inputs what would they say? Um, as in what what did you do? Like you were using the um, what fish emulsions and natural yeah, so, this and natural so that. So we um, we so at the start it was quite a wet season. It was waterlogged. So we were we were like, right. We need to really pull this plant assisted out of this situation so we were just pushing um your kelps and your fishes and all that sort of thing to try and stimulate biology to, to get air and the, the root system going um and then there was loveland which is uh, a part of the landmark branch they are doing work into that that area the, the biology sector as well like Bayer and everyone else now is they're catching on to mm. we need these guys there's to work in, for us. There's something <laughs> in this biology stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we were trialling some of their stuff, um, which I believe and a couple of other people on the Downs see a, a, a result. So what they – what a, anyone who uses compost and manures, these these um, biolog- biological sort of inputs, enhance, like break that plant available down and make it – it, it's it's almost like a, a servant to the root system, you know. Like here it is, take it, and, mm. and therefore the, you get a, a response. Um, so yeah, we're pushing. And and my my thing is small amounts more often if the season if you go going with the season. Um, and that's what we did. We spent we spent a lot of money on that crop. Probably another another half of what a general cotton crop would cost us per hectare, because we just kept going with it and um, and feeding, trying to trying to feed it as it requires any extra excess that it didn't have. Um, but, yeah, so I um, I think we, we were getting pretty close to, like, our fertility program and all that um, is, is pretty close. That, that's not an issue for us now, um, which is good. We can sleep well at night now with that. As in you've got a pretty good sort of assistant robust in place. Assistant we, have a tool, we have a good toolbox of our, of our inputs that we can use if we require them. And so that's not the hard part. And I think that, you know, when you go into organics from conventional and you make that step, 
that's the thing that you worry about the most. You're like, well, hang on, am I going to plant seeds and they're not going to come up because they don't get, you know, they don't have the urea or they're not going to yield. Yeah. No, they're not going to yield. But that's that is actually not not a thing. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a real paradigm to break, isn't it? That that um, that to put your faith in the biology, I guess, put your faith in the in the um, in the uh, in in nature. Absolutely, right? the natural processes that you are giving a bit of a kick along. Bit of fish, you know, a bit of kelp, yeah, um, for the right reasons, in a, yeah. in a sort of a you know, in a way that, as you say, it's really interesting that you're doing it a little bit more often. You know, you sort of it's a it's a it's a sort of a slow release feed, isn't it? You know, yeah, like, yeah, Le- less more often is much better. And I think also, um, you know, we sit down um, with our agronomist at the start of a, a season, and we go, "Well, this is what we're going to plant. What are the potential problems?" And you can, you know, just know what to treat it with from the start and having having that really helps because you don't want to get into the middle of a, a crop cycle and go, oh, we've got this huge problem and we don't know how to deal with it. I mean, we still need, um, you know, we still need our crops to to grow and we perform. still need to be able to harvest and perform. So, you know, that's that really helps as well, I think, yeah. What would you say to um – Okay, another quick question. What are you What are you growing? Like, just to give us a sense of, you know, what are the yeah. what are the crops? What are the What are the things you 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 you're producing out out there and here, mate? Or, or just to give people a sense of, okay, or, this all sounds nice, but like, where what how, what are we seeing from the result of all this cool stuff, mate? So on our organic farm, we grow everything just like the conventional ones, anything from soy's, mungs, sorghum, corn, wheat, barley, millet. Um, Whatever is a good agronomic agronomic fit as well. Mm. That's a big thing. You got, you need to. We do a lot of legumes as well. Yeah, we we so in our wheat we'll plant a bit of vetch, under salt like that. There is a thing called relay cropping that I'm keen to look at maybe. Relay, relay, relay. So it's say say you got a wheat crop coming through, um, and then at a certain stage maybe just for head emergence or something you run through some soybeans underneath it. While the wheat, the wheat's, wheat's still growing, growing still there, really? you'll harvest it, and then the soybeans are already sort of up and coming. on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, so you're getting the symbiotic relationship there, driving totally. Your, yeah, your nitrogen as well. Yep. Um, I guess that's probably a good time to give it a boost at that. Yeah, well, coming out in yeah. emergency, yeah, yeah. And you're setting your protein up and yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of different things, but we we grow anything like cotton. Um, I'd love love to try some organic cotton. If we get the opportunity, if we get the seed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for those, um, I guess, uh, croppers who, uh, or people listening who, you know, maybe conventional croppers or even dabbling in it, you know, what would you say is some of the things again they'd have to change up here? You know, paradigms to break or things to even focus on. You know, I and mean, there's things that they would have to stop doing, and they probably know what that is, or maybe maybe That's identify it. what would they what would they stop doing, what would they start doing. Like I said, Generally. The, the hardest thing is is expecting a clean slate. Like <laughs> <laughs> weeds are, and not even weeds. Plants are good because you want your IPMs working. So you, my agronomist loves his IPMs. So he loves IPM for those beneficial um, integrated pest yeah, management. Yeah, so beneficial <laughs> pests, you know, mm-hmm. like keeping everyone in balance and check. Um, so yeah. you have those. Like at the moment, mm-hmm. at the moment we've got a, I've got a plot. That we're trialling for um, pasture cropping out there, but it's perfect in the summer because it it it's full of lucerne and sorghum and um, chicory and all these different species that are flowering and and now our, our um, 
beneficials. Beneficials are there, you know, like next to our soybean. So that we got a soybean crop next to it. So I think the biggest thing is thinking that expecting everything to be perfectly clean. Um, I'd love to start planting now with GPS, planting some uh, flower rows or, or something like that. You know, like in between Tra- trap crops or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Using and, sunflowers and things and, like that. and just different different things because. Um, you got to remember, once the crop's done, we like to bring our, our animals in there anyway. So it's, it's for the, the little guys and the big guys. Are you looking for more information to assist you on your regenerative journey? We've created an online community of supporters with exclusive access to interview transcripts, live online Q&A sessions with Charlie and his interviewees, as well as the opportunity to be interviewed on the show yourself. If you would like to be part of this community or would simply like to contribute to the development of the podcast series, please make your way to patreon.com forward slash the regenerative journey podcast. We look forward to you becoming a member of the regenerative journey community. Let's get back to this week's episode. So what, what else would they need to, um, uh, again, the croppers you know, fo- focus on or, or, or change? So yeah, not having a nice, neat, Sort of that dead farm. <laughs> what? Well, I think I think so. We have trees on all of our properties, mm. which sets us apart from a lot of people in our area. Most people like to flatten every gum because they steal the moisture, and um, you know that's really important. I think for the integrated pest management, you know, um, having having a habitat for your natives. And I think also, you know, Mitch said before, just switching your mind from anti-life to pro-life. So even if you, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, we don't get our seed, we get our seed all bare so it's not coated in a fungicide or pesticide or whatever they put on it. And, um, you know, that's that's one basic change. And we switch that up with using seed coating of, you know, um, biodynamic preps and um, molasses. molasses, you know, other other things. Um, yeah, I think just changing, like working, we live in this incredible, like Mother Nature is the most amazing thing that exists and, and we get to live and work in it every day, you know. So instead of going out there and thinking that you're on you're constantly at war, you go out there and you actually just love and appreciate, you know, the farm that you've got and you just try everything that you do. You try and, like you do with kids, you know, you try and feed them well and, and, and just raise them up rather than, you know, pushing it suppressing, down, suppressing yeah. it, you know. Nurture. Yeah, nurture. And there are tools, I mean, there are tools, you know, with weeds. Obviously, weeds are a huge thing. We have an intro cultivator, you know. You can use that. Um there are ways and means around it. It's not perfect situation, but it's we have a pretty. I don't think it's dirty. Our farms, our organic farms, not dirty. But our um, like it's prime example. When we cultivate, that's prime opportunity for giving plants what they need. So yeah, we we band spray mm-hmm. as we go through. Um, and yes, we've cultivated, but a lot of that stuff's also going to generate um, biology deeper. Underneath that band that we've just disturbed. So, so just on that one, <coughs> excuse me. Back to weeds. Um, you know, again, in a conventional situation, you know, weeds are the enemy. Uh, we want monocrops because we just don't want the, the the drama of robbing moisture or nutrients or having to when we harvest having to bloody clean it and that sort of thing. I mean, how's how's your paradigms changed about about weeds? We sort of tapped into it a bit there, but when I mean, what would you say to croppers that you know just go, oh my god, I can't get my head around, you know, two things growing in my paddock. 
Yeah, so we're actually, the next thing we're going to look at doing is doing multi, because there are people like multi-species. We're looking at hopefully supplying multi-species. So you can have four or five different things growing and we'll just go in and, and take that out as a... As it is organically, however, we don't want weeds in our crops. They are a pain. I mean, they do exist, but we try and keep our crops as clean as possible. Mm. And, you know, that's meant that sort of in the last 18 or in the last 12 months, we've now split our property up into different paddocks because we did have problem areas. Um, so, so now, you know, where we have, you know, we have Johnson grass out there. So we've got one patch that's really bad for Johnson's grass. So we're managing that differently now. So it doesn't go into a summer crop cycle. You know, there are really basic things and ways that you can manage it. But it just means that you have to look at the farm a bit differently, mm. you know. So we've split up our paddocks now. We worked with our agronomists to do that and just to get our problem areas and so we can manage them differently. Which is a great point because, <clears throat> you know, again, getting back to recipes and going, I've got, you know, so many thousands of acres and this is the the, the recipe I'm going to apply to this 5,000 acres. Within that 5,000 acres, there can be many different soil types, Absolutely. undulations, all sorts of things. And I think it's a really important point that, you know, sort of – identifying different styles of management, appropriate management for different areas, you know, and, and and then the question is, well, why? Well, why? Because you want a particular outcome. And sometimes that comes with, I want an outcome for that area because I want it, and then actually letting go of that and going, actually, I, I need to step back from being so attached to the outcome because that area is never going to produce that. That area is much yeah. better suited to... Something else. Something else. And... Um yeah, I think also, you know, we people that go out and wake up every day at war with weeds, I mean, we're on floodplain. We're never not going to have a weed burden. Like, you know. It's, it's not a war you're going to win. Exactly. Like, why would you dedicate your life to going? How long did it take you to work that out? Yeah. Because well, it, it took me a long time. Yeah, seriously. It's yeah, just. It a long time the best thing about the weeds is. Um, we get to bring some nice lamb back in, I guess, too, because they're they're a great weed targeter. Sheep, lamb, sheep, cool. yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, so having the sheep, the cattle, um, we have fenced our home, yeah. our, our organic home farm three times, and it's been washed away by floods, so that yeah. makes sheep a little less, you know, attractive. But they're such a good tool. Mm. Yeah. You can you can run sheep on a hot one hot sing, a single wire. You got to train yeah. them. You got to right? train them. Yeah, yep. you don't need to train them. I've got to train my cows at the moment too. They're getting a bit naughty. Yeah. yeah. We did We did have cows out on our organic farm as well, and our cows haven't had any vet chems for six years either, which I think is, um, you know, on the downs is probably a bit easier. Um, we moved them up during the drought um, to the beach farm, so they're here now, and, um, and they're black Angus. So um, that's something that a lot of people said we couldn't do, and we've managed to do it organically. And... Um, and it took a bit of time and a bit of nurturing, but it can be done. You know, these things, they all can be done. Just on that one, because we were talking about it yesterday, you know, as you said, um, people said you can't do it. Mm. You know, don't be bloody bringing those Western cattle down here because it won't work, <clears throat> you know, because there is there is tick and there's what, um, fly. what a fly and, and they're not used to that. You know, what was, um, I guess, what were, what were some of the things you do to um, – to combat that or to um, you know, make that transition easier for them and actually you know, help them adapt, as it were. Yeah. So um, we – I think, you know, we started off um, – you know, as soon as they got off the truck, 
you know, they got rescue remedy. They went, obviously went into quarantine because we were organic. So up rescue here. remedy being homeopathic. Homeopathic. Yeah, yeah. I, want, I want to get back to that. We we use a lot of homeopathics with our mm. cows. Mm. Um, we trough trough dose. It's super easy. And um, and if there's one that's looking a bit off in the paddock, I literally have you know spray spray bottles, and I have them on the on the jet, squirty bit, and yeah. I squirt it on their nose as I'm driving around checking them, and that's it. It's done. It's um. Who makes those those home, uh, homeopathics? Uh, uh, I have I've I've got them from a place in New Zealand called Similimum, um, because I started studied human homeopathy for humans. Mm. So so I had access to that. Um, there are a few people that do agro homeopathy, I'm sure, in Australia. I know that there's a couple that do vet. Um, but yeah, we, I've sort of made up my own remedies and, um, and I use that a lot, um, for three day because we have buffalo fly here. We've really had to do a targeted approach with ticks and buffalo fly. We use a combination of, Everything. <laughs> fly trap. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, boss bag Kandanga farm store. Yeah, they're from. Yeah. Um, what is that? The boss bags. So that's oh. the diatomaceous earth that they go in. Where we are yeah. 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 Um, so diatomaceous earth and a bit of sulphur and. Yep. Um, so that. So we saw that. So basically, diatomaceous earth in a hessian bag that sort of hangs uh, uh, vertically, mm. um, and they sort of rub up on that. Yep, they go powder themselves. They go powder themselves, which yeah. is fascinating, isn't it? They know they, they go because because they don't have to do that. You, no. You're not like sprinkling on them. They go, oh, I'm gonna, I need a dose. Yeah, they, they realise the the benefit from it. Yeah, yeah, they love it. So we do that. We also, when we purchase the the beach farm, it has a it has a cow shower, which is a race, you know, with all of the different nozzles, and we use that a lot. So, um, what are you putting on them for that? Well, we use salt. We use saline and essential oils. Which is Himalayan uh, rock salt? Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Um, and it just it must change that the pH of their better. um of their skin. When we first got here, we used a really oily uh, based um, shower, but we just found that the, it almost slicked them too much and trapped the heat into them. Mm-hmm. So we've just gone back to we've yeah we we're trialing at the moment, which is working quite well. Just using yeah um, salt. Really? So they get, a, they get a salt, um, salt shower? Bath, yeah. Yeah, and that's you you got to run through the yards to do that specifically? Yep. Or, yep. Yeah. Yeah, So that, and that's a, something you do every, what, every now and again? Yeah, Once every, a, yeah. Month, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously we... In peak season, obviously. When we got here, we didn't, there hadn't been stock on, on this property for quite a while. So we didn't have any dung beetles either. So mm. our dung beetle population is amazing now. How did you get, because <clears throat> I went to... <laughs> I went to pick up some shit yesterday and put the shovel under one and all there was left was a cap. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're amazing. I love how do, them. How do you think how do you think you got them to come back? We didn't we do were freaking out because it took a good what, four months, five months? And we thought, yep. oh, we're going to have to buy in millions of these things. Yeah, and we tried to buy them in, and they're really hard to come by in Australia. And um, it, John Fern. You know John Fern? Uh, yeah, I think I spoke to him, but at the time there was a – a back, is he from Dung Beetles Australia or something? Uh, I'm not sure what he's – I'll put in the show notes, but he's from Canberra down that way. He's yeah. probably the Mr. – he is Mr. Yeah. Dung Beetles. Yeah. yeah, I spoke to him and he was like, look, we've got a, we've got a bit of a backlog at the moment. Okay. So, But we just – we put our cows – you know, brought our cows up here and they just came back. Mm. Um, 
we didn't do anything obviously apart from not using any sort of systemic vet chems that were going to harm them. And, um, you know, they're just so active now, you know, you go out there a couple of days later and all you've got is, you know, a cap on the top with a bit of dirt on the top. So don't be lying in the paddock pretending to be a cow shit because <laughs> yeah. they'll take you away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and this was, this was, um, conventionally run before you guys got hit no. the farm. No, it wasn't. So it was, it was organic. Well, not, well. Naturally run, was it? Absolutely. The lady who owned, um, where, yeah, the lady who owned this property, uh, I'm not sure if we're allowed to say who it was. Are we allowed to do that? She did a very good job. She did an amazing job. She poured a lot of money into, this was all cane property and, um, she certainly spent a lot of money on soil health and fertility. So, she did well. She did really well. Was that one of the reasons why you bought it? Because it had already had a like a it had a, a background, or it's like there's already a bit of a head start in the getting rid of chemical type of thing. It's just the actual farm itself. I don't think it, that was the a, a deciding factor. We didn't purchase it certified. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it had been on the market for quite a while, and they had um, used Roundup on some of the fences. So we're still in conversion now. So yeah. it didn't speed the process up for us. Um, but the farm is, it's, it's quite an amazing farm for the area. It's 400 acres. It's flat and, um, and it drains well. And, um, you know, in the Noosa hinterland, it's quite hard to find that. Um, yeah. and, so close to may, the beach. Yeah. yeah that, and also <laughs> being able to try to crop, play around with cropping on it too. Yeah. You've got that, you've got um, that ability. Um any any other sort of interesting things you guys do, whether out west or here, that's you know in that homeopathic type of thing? I mean, I guess your your involvement with biodynamics. Let's talk about that. You know, you came to a course, two thousand eighteen, two thousand eighteen at, the, at farm. the farm in at Byron. So I can't remember was that in spring or, or spring or autumn. Hang remember. on, I think yeah. So we we sort of maybe missed the fact that Mitch got quite sick in two thousand and eighteen. Let's talk about that. Um, if you, do you want, okay, talk about that. He looks. He looks right now. Yeah, he's so healthy now. This is the most amazing thing. So tell us about that. Yeah. So um, uh, lead up, we were pushing so hard, we we're busy. Blah, blah, blah. Harvest. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I had a, a bit of a reset. It was a perfect thing, actually. It was a not a, a stroke as such, but a um, restriction, and I lost my left side and ability to. Pronounce words and things like that. For when you say restriction, what are you talking about? Uh, it wasn't How's a clot. It? He's, he's just saying that he had an occlusion. Um, so it wasn't a clot stroke. So for those who aren't doctors, what does that mean? Um, okay, <laughs> it just means that yeah, he uh, come yeah, on, nurse. Yeah, he he just he um, he stopped blood flow into a part of his brain. Right. Well, that's what happened. He was stressed, um, and so. We had all these great organic ideas and we'd started the certification. Obviously, um, our property would have been fully certified in 2018 there. Um, but, you know, with the amount of stress and with the amount of growth that we had done, we weren't necessarily – our ch- children le- led a very organic lifestyle, but Mitch and I, you know, we lived off coffee and, you know, and our our place was, you know, we had a lot of people that, you know, used to come and have a drink on our deck, you know, so we certainly weren't living our, our best organic lifestyles. Um, and, and we were working, Mitch was working very solidly sort of around the clock quite a bit. So we were harvesting, Mitch was on the chaser bin, came off. Uh, just started raining. Everyone, we had our, our harvest team, which is, you know, probably about 15 people turn up to have beers on the deck and Mitch grabbed a beer and, um, yeah, kind of 
felt funny, came inside and, yeah, lost his left side, went to hospital, you know, did the whole shebang. Um, it, it, that's how suddenly it happened. But, you know, he literally got off the chase of in. And that's, beer and-, and that's how quickly life can, I guess, completely change. So, How was that for you, Nina? Like, you know, busy time of year and... Tell you got off the chase of bin because harvest had just finished. Yeah, it was just started raining. No, that, it, it hadn't just uh, finished. You having no. a break because of the rain. Yeah. So how was that? I mean, do you you know that's a big? Oh my god, what's yeah, it's huge. And I guess being a nurse, you had your suspicions as to what happened. I did. <laughs> Although the hospital, he turned up there and the hospital said that he was dehydrated and I was like, guys, come on, <laughs> seriously. Is um, that what you're saying to Mitch? Oh, you're just dehydrated. Like, Give me right. I was, like, I was going, I'm only dehydrated, don't worry. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Thinking, no. Jesus, this is not good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, your left side's just gone. It's like, mm, that's not dehydration. No, not dehydration. Um, and, yeah, it just... Mitch was not ever going to have a reset without getting hit. Like, you don't take – you weren't going to stop this one, were you? It no, was a freight train. Per- like I said, it was the perfect thing for the, the great – I'm grateful for it now because we were we were almost where we were meant to be doing and, and this sort of just gave us that little hit. And then um, we went to the doctors. The way I got onto actual biodynamics was um, a, a great doctor – Said, mate, you, biochemically you're perfect. You're 35. You, this is a bit bizarre, you know. Um, and he said, how about you go have a look at a bit of um, bionic uh, Steiner work. I said, okay, well, I'm open to anything right now. <laughs> and um, this is after a little bit of a recovery, though. Yeah, it? this is after yeah. recovery because yeah. the doctors would never could never tell me why. And anyway, we finally got to the bottom of it. And this, and so we did that. We went and. Um, Came to you guys, you and Hamish. Mm. Yeah, at the farm. That's, that was so was that your first sort of foray into biodynamics? Like when, oh, Google biodynamics, all oh, these blokes are doing a course, mm. let's go and do it. Well, Bye. yeah, I was always into homeopathy and so I was always told by homeopaths that I'd sort of spoken to that biodynamics is – because I always said, I want to use homeopathy on the farm. I want, and and they said, look, do biodynamics. You know, that's, that's you know – The agricultural version. Agricultural it, version. And, um, yeah, so that's sort of – I'd always had an interest, in, yeah, in it. Um, but, yeah, no, they were really interesting times. Sorry. It's the, <laughs> mm. it's, it's Mitch's recover, recovery, he was sort of in, in bed for th- – or couldn't do much for three months and, mm. and it sort of took us about – he refused to take any um, medications either. He did have high cholesterol at the time. He changed his diet and got retested in three months and his cholesterol was 100% better. Sorry, we've got people coming in for the bite and nap course. <laughs> Good guard dogs. <laughs> Who's that? Is? Um, yeah, so we worked really hard and we did everything and Mitch did everything naturally for 12 months and he's in better health than he ever has been now, um, which is amazing. So. And what was the – what did the – what – what direction did the biodynamics send you? What 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 did you take away from from that that two day course? You know, how has that sort of set you up yeah. or changed your farming or life or whatever? Let's dig into that. So so doing the, the agricultural side of it was great, and and it it was um, bringing some more pieces of the puzzle together to make that easier. But the philosophy side of it just um, yeah, it sort of really. Really helped. Hamish actually said something yesterday 
he, he you know, well, I, I did a similar thing, went through an Anglican school and failed and didn't, got had all this information that I had no idea inkling about. And then the biodynamics sort of brought life to that and then it sort of put it in its place where it, I went, oh, right, that's, you know, like the stuff you picked up as you were growing up. Um, how, how did it do that? What what was the – can you sort of explain how that happened? Like what what, what was put into place or was it – Just just things like – I don't know about other people, but myself, like you go to those schools, you get, you, you get your religion thrown down your throat, you, you, you're supposed to be this, you're supposed to be that. Um, and then biodynamics sort of, for me, in the – as I said, the farming side brought into that toolbox that living everything's life. It's a, everything's alive. It's it's um, there's a reason for it, and it's a precursor for you can tell something's going to happen behind it. Um, and in 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 my life, it, it put a lot of the the the, the religious the, and everything we learnt from school into perspective too for me and. Instead of me just parking in a box going, oh, well, I don't really understand, I don't like it, it's got thrown down my throat. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, wait, I'm going to go back into that and have a look and, and, and you know, ex- explore or experiment with it. I think the big difference that I've certainly experienced is, um, you know, at school it was a religion and outside of that and through, you know, biodynamics, it's, it's, a, it's more of a spiritual, which is, you know, a word that gets thrown around a lot, but it's a much more deeper... Uh, you know, a bit more focus on the soul and the and yeah. the spirit, as opposed to ritual of going to talking to some bloke upstairs who made everything. You know, mm. which is really out of context and serves a whole lot of other different agendas. I I I feel. Um, Nunes, did you were you having yeah, angle on it? Um, so I think so that that first two day course that we did at the farm was mind blowing for me, and I think. You know, having been great researchers, just having Hamish explain the philosophy behind the force of life was amazing. You know, and that it just, when we walked away from that course, we looked at our properties and and the farms completely differently. We just, yeah, and it's almost like it becomes, you know, it's an energetic, it's 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 palpable, you know, you can kind of feel the life force and you can and you know, and that's one thing that we really noticed from using biodynamics and we use them across all of our properties, conventional and organic, is the vigor. It's the it's just vibrant. It makes it makes your farms vibrant. You know, our seeds jump out of the ground. Um you know, and we can see that because we do contracting as well. So we might, you know, plant the exact same crop, um, you know, on our neighbor's property and our it's just, it's there. It's, it's ready for life. It's, it's you. beautiful. I get goosebumps thinking about it, you know, and yeah, I think, you know, biodynamics, it is, it's a philosophy, but it's a way of life. You can't unsee it once you've seen it, you know, and I think it's, it's such a beautiful, um, such a beautiful way to live. You know, and to farm. Do you ever get the 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 urge to like sneak a bit of biodynamics into the, when you do cr- contracting and go? <laughs> oh, I'm just going to give all my. He's a we nice were told not to do that. <laughs> I was told by you and Harry Charlie not to do that. that. <laughs> I'm not suggesting. That was a test. That was a <laughs> test. <laughs> well, I've done well. I haven't done it. Unless there's some residue left in the uh, the <laughs> nose tank true. on the tractor. Accidentally, <laughs> Needs, yeah. You just said you sort of. I think you said you you see your farm differently. Um, apart from like I guess seeing 
the vitality and there's you know results in you know, I guess yield or you know comparing it to to you know as you just said you know next door to yours and but is there any other you know again for people thinking about um, potentially doing the um, doing our course you know what would what would they potentially see on their farms or what what I'm trying to sort of get a I think, put some words around it I think it's just about um, you know aligning ourselves with um, our place and um, you know. And just getting in touch with weeds anymore. No, that's Mm. not. Well, that's one thing. I mean, I I think. (laughs) I think also, you know, using utilizing the calendar. You know, we use utilize the biodynamic calendar now, and an observation. You actually start. I think. You know, back in the 80s or 90s, it used to be called natural resource monitoring. You know, people used to go out and look at their 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 farms, and that's kind of what we. Do and you know Hamish was great when we first did the course to say, go out and see what's happening, and then come back and see if it's relatable. And I remember waking up one morning and taking a stroll on the farm, and everything was flowering. And I literally went back to the calendar, and it was a flower day, and it was just ridiculous um, to see how in tune your farm is with the biodynamic calendar, and and then you know getting yourself into that place and just recognizing the small things. I mean, there's so much change that you can see. Whenever we put out, whenever I do my little around the house biodynamic preps, you know, our cows will come from fences and fences and they will turn up outside the house. Like <laughs> they just come and graze on, on the front lawn. It's so funny. You know, they know. So you think they get a sense of there's some good stuff happening Absolutely. over here? Absolutely. Were you saying the other day neighbours turn up, oh. cattle turn up? Our ca- and the neighbours cattle, yeah. <laughs> cattle from a couple of kilometres away have turned up, you know. We've it's- had about six different NIS tag cattle come in here. and From somewhere. Like, yeah, from yeah. different places. Which is not uh, unusual because we we always tell a story, and it was actually told at one of our um, courses that um, by a, a woman on the I think it was Central Coast of New South Wales, and uh, a a cattle truck had turned over on the highway, and um, I think a lot had been killed, some had to be destroyed, and some had escaped. I think there was half a dozen that escaped, and she I can't remember if it was her place or, or someone she knew. Um, there was half a dozen of, of these cattle that had had actually survived and escaped turned up at her place and it was like two, three, five kilometres away mm. of all the places they could have gone and she only had like two acres <laughs> and they just turned up in her, her backyard yep. and she was using preps, uh, biodynamics. Animals, oh, yeah, animals are pretty intelligent things. They they know what they need to be healthy and survive, don't they? Like, I, I remember in America I, I saw... I, I saw a um, the the corn cob. Someone had a an organic corn, or one might just been a generic corn cob and a GMO corn cob. And the, the GMO corn cob, the birds didn't attack it. It was it was the other one that was eaten before they went to the. They were going. What's this forward crazy alien thing? Yeah, it was just an interesting thing that I, one of the farmers did up there. Yeah, I guess. Um, and some farmers would go. Well, that's great. I don't want birds eating my corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having forgetting that something has to eat that at some point. Yeah, it's growing for, <laughs> <laughs> Talking about food growing for people, what else are you guys um, doing here? Because we were talking yesterday about some crops, and you've got some, um, you know, some plans in terms of your cattle and and that and yep. sort of that sort of thing. Can you tell us about? Oh, is that a secret? No, no, no not, nothing's a secret with us. Um, so the best thing about here is we we're stepping into the hort area now um, from just the broadacre and row cropping. So we we did pumpkins last season and we've had great res, um, feedback feedback on <laughs> it. Um, 
So, yeah, we're going to expand in that and try some sweet potatoes, uh, sweet corn, and just dabble a bit. Yeah, just to... Uh, uh, we like to think that whatever we grow, someone's going to be healthier from eating it, not the other way. It's almost way. A medicinal. So, so that's probably... This is probably aligning a, with our morals as in a, a human consumption side of things. Is that Does that feel like a responsibility somewhat? Definitely. I mean, everyone wants to do... Everyone wants to help people. I mean, that's, that's the foundation of being a human, isn't it? Um, you know, I think... Uh, I think that's another thing also with doing the organics and the biodynamics. Biodynamics is about community. It's about getting together. It's about working together. And that's the, that is, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it. You know, we're not, we're not here just for ourselves. And, you know, I think that's, that's what we sort of come down to. And, you know, last year when we did our um, pumpkin crop, you know, we took them off and we cured them in the sun, which is, you know, not something that um, it, it took time, it took effort. And, um, you know, but it's something that we did and our product was really amazing from it, um, you know, and just going that extra extra bit rather than just packing them into a, a box and putting them into a dark place, you know, making sure that, you know, that that's, it's done properly and done to the best of our ability um, so we know that, you know, whoever's going to eat it, it's going to be full of, you know, flavour and, and and delicious and, and well for them, you know, good for them, biodynamics. So, yeah. You're going to hear a few cards coming in now for the day two of the um, of our VD workshop here. Just getting back to biodynamics, what are some of, just to give people a sense of how you've incorporated into cropping, <clears throat> you know, what, what, what um, there's, a, there's a couple of the preparations that you guys um, use, you know, how, how give people a, a, a sort of a sense of, you know, um, how you use it, you know, do you put it put it out onto um, uh, crops before you sow when, you know, with in, in crops sort of type of thing, you know, do you use the soil preparations and the atmospherics as well? Yep, so we, um, that's an, um, we, we do our compost um, preps in our compost when we have compost. We do um, in our fish or kelp um, and then, so like I was saying, if we're cultivating and it's, it's – um, an opportunity. We'll, we'll put some bio, um, brood biology that we do with our biodynamics down pre-crop, um, and then as we plant, well, we seed dress we put and ground preps down, the earth preps down when we plant. Yeah, and um, yeah, we'll, we seed dress. We seed dress, seed dress as well. Tube, liquid, liquid inject, yeah. and then like um, as we go over, either um, a little five over one. Yeah, we put our five hundred one. Like I use five hundred one. Um, so five hundred one being the atmospheric. How do you use that? You know, what at what stage or what are you trying to do by using that one? Um, insects, like it, it helps with the plants, um, sugar and, and insect protection um, and general health. So it's a bit like a multi If you're coming, you're getting sick. People will take echinacea or, or mm. something. You know, like just trying to be there in front of that um, and assist where we can. When we're into cultivating, we also band spray um, on. So if there's a, an opportunity there that arises, we'll do it then. Um, and then uh, talking to Hamish, with organics, bringing in crops for harvesting, there's a potential there to utilise some of the preps to maybe um, desiccate uh, and uniform as well. So we're going to play around with that. Um, frost tolerance. He was talking about it yesterday. That, mm. that was an interesting one I never thought about. Um, yep. So we're going to definitely try that. 
uh, basically yeah. giving giving plants a two to four degree yeah. um, extra tolerance for frost. Yeah, and I think also, you know, with biodynamics, we haven't had to change anything to use it on any of our farms, really. You know, that's probably it's not. There's nothing too scary about it. The kids love playing, don't they? The, the kids love playing. <laughs> in the flow form. Yes, yeah, the flow form. It's like <laughs> getting their kid bathe in it. Yes, they do. They do. Uh, and they're like walk. You walk out there and they've, they've grown a foot. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, so we, we just put it out with everything and, um, you know, we're lucky. Our, our tractors out, out west are, are all set up for liquid injection. So, and once you have a front tank on, you can literally get like a, a just the nozzle at the back, the boomless nozzle. Yeah, we got boomless nozzle. And it's 40 foot, you know, mm-hmm. like it's pretty easy to rig up. It's, and it doesn't have to be expensive mm-hmm. either. You know, I'm always, um, <laughs> always, you know, everything's got to be done, you know, so, a lot, you know, lower cost if, yep. if possible, and um, yeah. So I mean, it's pretty. So for for, for people listening and you know, croppers and the, the like, it's not. It'd be fair to say, it's not a big impost in terms of the gear you need, the change of practice. The there's a there's a degree of understanding of potentially when, um, you know, when an appropriate time or the best time. But it's Fine. not it's not like a. Um, Oh my god! I've just got to turn my production system on its head. No, to do to use. Uh, no, you don't have to be a pure. I mean, we I, we don't believe you have to be a pr- purist. You know, we get it out and we get it mm, on, mm. and sometimes it's unconventional. But <laughs> and to my agronomist, um, uh, I don't know how he'd say it, but he'd always tell me farming was always attention to detail and timing. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. That's a trick. Our agronomist has been working with us for 10 years now, and he's so, he's, uh, yeah, we, we're still waiting for him to turn up in a caftan one day. <laughs> he's amazing. He actually is amazing. He's not, you know, you know he's not your run of the mill. Small people. They didn't, they didn't like the look of that. that, that no. <laughs> we better wrap up pretty quick, Smart. Um, another question, just in terms of your organic group, I think that's fascinating. Um, you've got a number of, of your, your organic group. Um, here attending the course, so thank you for geeing them up and and twisting their arms to get here. Tell me why did what what why have you done that? And what are the benefits of your little group? Explain what 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 is it? Yeah, okay. So our group came band of merry men and women. Yeah, okay. So Noosa Hinterland and Mary Valley is really lucky. We have a farm store here called Kandanga Farm Store, and Tim and Amber run it. They believe that food can be produced without chemicals. And they were the catalyst when we moved here and they found out, um, they were like, we've got this organic group. Um, so it's a, it's a very, it's small. And we did that sort of for a reason, um, just because uh, everyone's time poor. And when you become part of a, a large group, it kind of dilutes the need for you to be there. Our, um, our group is all about keeping each other sort of accountable and also, um, it provides us the opportunity to visit everyone's farm so we can then actually be of value and try and, you know, have a bit of a roundtable discussion about any concerns or any issues that we're coming into contact with. It is it is the most amazing thing. Um, you know, after we've done this, we'll go around and every month we'll do a cow pat pit um, at everyone's property, you know, just being able to provide that value. It's so easy. You know, we have great morning teas, great conversation. We've got some really big personalities in there. You know, we've got an amazing, um, you know, biologist. We've got, he's 
homeopath, you know, we've got Tim and Amber, they've got great exposure, we've got an amazing um, avocado, organic avocado, organic lime growers, huge diversity. We all do different things, but we all know that with our knowledge we can sort of solve problems together and, and we're much better. And I think it's a bit like Mitch and I, you know, I was saying last night, you know, together we can do anything, but apart we, we can't mm. achieve much, you mm. know, and that's very much what we're about, yeah. Grab that mic, Mitch, you yep. were say something. <laughs> Don't be shy. Mate, more opinions the better, isn't it? More what? Opinions the better. And sharing. Yeah, I think I think just the, the sharing of, of a, a sharing of opinions mm. and the throwing them, putting them on the table, and you know, in a, in a in a in a group of people who are on the same page, then there's no offence taken if if that opinion isn't picked up and embraced. It's it's really about it's nothing personal. It's just mm. like you know what that's not necessarily appropriate for my thing or whatever else. But you'd absolutely the more heads the better, you know. Mm. I agree. And as long as it's a you know it doesn't get so big as you say, needs and get yeah. gregarious and is like needs some sort of governance around it and all that sort of rubbish. Mm. You know, it's just like it's 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 organic. Literally, the the, the way yeah. it sort of rolls. How many people in the group? Just what's what's the what's the nice tidy number that you're it's finding? It's probably about nine or yeah. something ten. Yeah. And you know, so it's one farm visit a year essentially. Yeah, yeah. and we um. And we're just like a bunch of mates, you know. We love getting together, you know. We go Kandanga Farm Store, they've got a cafe attached to the farm store, so when you, it's pretty nice. And so, you know, we can go there, have a coffee, and it's just fun, mm. you know. It's bringing the fun back into farming, and that's that's where it's at, you know. Yeah, a bit of culture too, yes. you know, like good social yep. interaction. And we're all different ages as well, and that's great. Um. I think we better wrap it up, guys, because yeah. I'm just conscious we've got more people rolling in. We've got um, stuff to probably we, – we dug our um, cow manure concentrate pit last night, so that's done. That's mm. cool. We're going to fill that up today. It's the fanciest one we've ever had here too. It is. Thanks, Charlie. No, well, that's fine. Look, it's all about just it's grabbing a, the resources available. I noticed my daughter took a great photo of Hugh and I digging while Charlie was just standing. Oh. <laughs> Someone has to be the overseer of those sort of projects. Um, so I think, look, we'll, I, I, I could I could chat for much longer because I really dig what you guys are doing. You know, you're really inspiring and 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 there's, a, um, there's the – there's the cropping side of it, which I'm again I'm fascinated with, and I think there's so much more to talk about there because I think that's what that's one of the missing links. You know, mm. I think the grazing stuff and that's that's called organics or biodynamics or regenerative ag is there's a lot of people doing really good stuff, and mm. you can read books about it, you can watch videos and the whole thing. The cropping thing that's a that's a much bigger unknown, and that's where there's a lot more at stake in some ways because it's you know. There are inputs that need to be bought and applied and there's timing involved and then there's That's all nice. those things and there's cost, cost and then there's the outcome of, oh, I'm going to stuff it up and is this going to kill it? Is it, you know, this, there's so many, by its very nature, there's more variables and, and more layers of of understanding. Yeah. But I think what I am what I sense from you guys and what I understand, what I see and just knowing you guys, you know, it's, Nothing's perfect. I'm not saying you guys have found the, the perfect answer. I think the lovely thing is that you're actually experimenting. You're being courageous to do that. You're really breaking new ground, you know, in, in, in what you're doing. And you're not just, you know, you're not commodity farmers anymore. You know, you're selling pumpkins to, to people. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're growing food. Things, We're growing you know? seeds as well and, and not just um, feed grains and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And you, actually, we're trying to get away from as many feed grains as possible, really. Yeah, we're sort of trying to get back more into seeds and um, and pulse, uh, legumes. Um, 
And but the thing is, I always say, you know, we are always open to chat. And if anyone wants to get in touch, you know, we are on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, we're not, we don't keep our cards close to our chest. We think that the, of the world can benefit from, mm. and, and, you know, if commodity prices change because a lot of people get into the organic, organic market, you know, that's fine. We're going to deal with that. It's not, I'm not, cons- we're not concerned about that. We want to see as many people um, going into regenerative farming, you know, dropping out the urea, the things that we don't actually need. And we've proven that we don't, you know, there are some, some things that you can just 100% get rid of um, without changing much. So, yeah, yeah um, you know, get in touch. Um, and new people bring new ideas too. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. That we don't even think about. That's right. I mean, it's sometimes can be it can be innocent questions mm. or naive questions that can actually spark to to a professional or experienced person go, oh my god, I never even thought of that. You know, it's a clear that, yeah. set of eyes and a whole different perspective on it. So, um, well, I am totally up for supporting anything you guys are doing in the out west here. Um, I know that. Um, uh, well, you guys have a website, Bray Farms. You know, yep. um, and. You're doing some really cool stuff. There's some little extra bits in there that, that if you go to the website, you'll suss out what the what the guys are up to. A few sort of plans in terms of more you know, food you're going to be uh, we have providing. Big, very big plans. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not not all of them can be shared just yet, no. but um, yeah, we've got some big Da-da-da-da. things in the pipe pipeline. <laughs> yeah, so it's really exciting. So and and again, you know, it's going. <laughs> I'm glad you're not worried about people catching up with you because no one's going to catch up with you. I don't think in terms of commodity <laughs> prices or going. Oh no, you know, like you guys are you're a couple of step step ahead uh, steps ahead of the pack. Uh, it's not about being competitive; it's just about being progressive. And you guys are really doing that. So thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here and you are, you're hosting. The fact you came to our course a couple of years ago, and you know what I see it has done for you. You're already on the path anyway, which is fantastic. And then jumping into biodynamics and it's it's clearly utilisation in lots of different facets of what you're doing. You know, it really warms my heart because it's it's the practical application and it's the and it's the it's the very visual results mm. and the very tangible results. Yeah. And there's also the non non less tangible results that I see as a really good example of what can be done with it, mm. you know, when it when it's when it's embraced as you guys have. Definitely. Yeah, so we love it. Yeah. Well, we love you too. Aww. And we're going to have Thank to wrap you. it up because we've got day two. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we better get on it. We've been at it for a while now. And I can't wait to pump this one out. And I'm just going to make – I just hope and I pray that we can get as many croppers to, to, to listen to this, not to, to sort of identify what they should be doing, but just to give them – it's a bit like the opinion. Put it on the table mm-hmm. and see what happens and, 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 and sort of think about how – you can change your um, potentially, you know, paradigms and, and the way you do things um, yeah. to, to do it, you know, dare I say, a, a better job. And changing KPIs, you know, like it, conventional, you know, I guess maybe back then you, your KPIs were probably very economically based and maybe your own health wasn't a KPI and maybe some other ecological things weren't KPIs. Dare I say now, I reckon your KPIs are a bit different, yeah. And I think also, you know, I think the biggest thing um, at the start of our journey compared to now was the fact that I was such a purist at the start of the journey, you know, and I wanted everything to be perfect and it stopped me from doing anything, you know. (laughs) Uh, But now it's like you've just got to get it. Life's, you know, life's a bit chaotic sometimes and Mm. you've just got to get it done. And, um, you know, 
it's worked out really well. But you don't you don't have to have all of your ducks in a line to start this stuff. You know, it's pretty simple. Mm. Doesn't have to be perfect. Give it a shot. As Give we say, eighty percent of something is better than one hundred percent of nothing. Absolutely. Thanks very much for what you do too, Tom. Yeah, that's a pleasure, mate. I'm. It's just Great. it's a real joy doing this stuff. Um, knowing that it's 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 embraced and picked up and, and applied. That's mm. the important thing. Yeah. As Scotty Drives the finishes up. off the interview with the <laughs> the noise of the, <laughs> noise of the gator. Oh, can I just say, um, just a, a, a quick, before we do take off, people, um, the value of people. <sighs> You've got some really amazing people working for you. Mm. You know, Scotty's fantastic, and, and he told me his little story there yesterday. Christina is amazing. She's everywhere, doing everything. Like She's everything. <laughs> I have to say, um, you know, it's a credit to you guys for, for clearly attracting those sort of people. Yeah. Any parting thoughts about that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Is it They're important humans. to have nice people? It's just so important to have <laughs> nice people. and um, yeah. Sharing the same Absolutely, and sharing the same values, and that's why these guys are here, you know, doing the course. Uh, they're really important, and their opinion's really important, and, yeah, we just want to nurture them. And Agriculture needs more and more people too, yeah. And whatever you want to be, you can be in an agriculture. You know, food's amazing. Uh, it's such a good industry to be in, and I support anyone to come into agriculture. I think it's amazing. I mean, so many, even someone in the backyard can call themselves a little farmer. They're in Absolutely. agriculture, they're growing food, and they're caring for their backyard, their environment, Being the birds sustainable, in there, yep. the grass, the carrots, the whatever else. Definitely. Absolutely. Nice one, guys. We better get wrapped Thank up. Thank you. Thanks, Charlie. Catch up with you very soon. Can't wait to get this one out. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. On the veranda of their house, overlooking their wonderful farm there in the Sunshine Coast, um, up there near Kinkin. Um so much good stuff there and I really hope that was of interest to farmers out there who are wondering how can we actually use this stuff in a cropping situation because they are doing a really good job at that and they're just delightful people. Talking about delightful people, um, my next guest next week is Neil Perry none other than uh, world famous chef Um, uh, he was just wonderful catching up with Neil he he very very busy man he very kindly gave me um, some time there in upstairs one of the private rooms at Rockpool Bar and Grill in Sydney we talked all sorts of things fascinating because I just didn't have no idea you know that that Neil's regenerative journey started when he's very young uh, why don't you have to listen to the episode to find out why what I mean but um yeah very generous with his time very generous with his helping of others as well uh, and, and and that we talk about that in, in, the, in the interview so look I hope you're really um, looking forward to as much as I am uh, Neil Perry's interview next week this podcast is produced by Reese Jones at Jaeger Media if you enjoyed this episode please feel free to subscribe share rate and review For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.